0: Friends, and welcome back to Ghoul's Night Inn, the spooky chat show with your best ghoul friends. I'm Penny
1: Snark. And I'm Midge Munster. So, Penny. Banewart, Deadly Dwale, Devil's Cherries, Death's Herb. These are all names for Deadly Nightshade, also hey. known as Belladonna. <laughs> hey! Hey, so while uh, most of us probably recognize this name from movies like Practical Magic or Nightmare Before Christmas, you may not know the full history of the wild uses of this plant and the many (laughs) roles it has played throughout history. Uh, So let's get into it. Let's talk about what this is, what it do, and how you can save yourself. (laughs) Yes, please. I love me some spooky botany. And I literally was like, it's a poison episode. Penny's going to be psyched. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So what is Belladonna? Uh, the full name for this is Atropa belladonna, or like I said, previously known as deadly nightshade, before it was given a proper genus. Uh, it, this plant is a tall shrub. It can grow up to seven feet tall. And it has a really beautiful deep purple bell-shaped flower with five petals and also has dark berries that are similar in size to blueberries. So it really is a gorgeous plant, uh, as the name would even suggest. Belladonna is actually Italian for beautiful woman. And there's a reason for that, but we'll get into that a little later. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and the it, its berries are really supposedly, from, from people who have tried it, uh, are very sweet and juicy and are unfortunately particularly attractive to children a lot of the time. Um, oh, and did I mention that every single part of this plant is extremely poisonous? Hey. <laughs> Yay! Uh, so this plant definitely has a reputation but it has also been used widely throughout history for medicine, cosmetic purposes, and even as an antidote. So let's learn a little bit more about this misunderstood beauty. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna start by bringing us straight to some sweet Midge's science corner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're gonna talk a little bit about the chemistry behind Belladonna. I know you weren't prepared for Midge to teach you chemistry today and I probably won't. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the uh, original name of Belladonna, as we mentioned, was Deadly Nightshade. Uh, So as that would suggest, it is a part of the Nightshade family, which is the same family as a lot of vegetables like peppers, eggplants, tomatoes, and even potatoes. Uh, So some nightshades are ingestible. But this family also includes lots of poisonous plants like mandrake and henbane. So nightshades contain uh, alkaloids, which that's just a fancy word for like compounds that have (laughs) certain known physiological effects on a body. And they contain an alkaloid called solanine. And all nightshades have this, including the foods, but solanine is a toxin and in very high concentrations can be very dangerous so uh some people have like allergies to nightshade vegetables because of yeah I mm-hmm. I've heard of that um and it's it, they actually like for people like me hotties with IBS uh, <laughs> they're really they can really wreak havoc just on your digestive system um generally because they have these these alkaloids but uh believe it or not too I, I read several weird happenstances with nightshades there have been instances where people have gotten solanine poisoning from eating green potatoes
0: Um,
1: so the concentrations can exist in high levels in these foods Um, but when we're looking at belladonna and the other poisonous nightshades we're specifically looking at an alkaloid called atropine and all nightshade poisoning basically works the same way. Uh, It attacks the nervous system. So the alkaloids in the plants inhibit the action of a chemical in your body called, I hope I'm going to say this right, acetylcholine. That sounds Um, legit. It sounds legit. We're going to keep it. And that is the chemical that allows your nerves to communicate with each other. So essentially, these alkaloids shut down your neurotransmitters, uh, which is no good no good no good at all so uh nightshade plants have several different types of alkaloids that work this way and depending on which compound you're talking about they can target different areas of the body so uh for example there is a compound found in these plants also called scopalamine, that has specifically effects on the muscles around the eyes Um, But when talking about atropine, the main compound in Belladonna that we're going to focus on today, it most affects the digestive system, the lungs, and the heart, which is what makes it so deadly.
0: Those are all very important (laughs) parts. Very important things. (laughs)
1: Those are are kind of the main ones. (laughs) Those are the whole things that make the body go. Uh, In fact, the genus name, Atropa, comes from the ancient greek name atropos which was the fate that was in charge of cutting the thread to end a life so when the when the people came along to name it they said we're gonna name it after death but also a pretty lady (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) belladonna's the original femme fatale oh yes Uh, a lethal dose of atropine can very widely there it was wild reading about this they're like well it could be this <laughs> it's giving the dream episode like it was, <laughs> it was like well it could be like none at all but it could be like you have to like shove a whole plant up your butt like it's it, it was <laughs> who's wild, to say who's to say um but the most widely agreed upon dosage seems to be that as little as 600 milligrams which is the equivalent of eating two berries is an overdose amount and lethal to most adults uh so this is very dangerous and that's why i said it's bad that's a very attractive looking plant and the berries look really good and a lot of children where this grows wild uh tend to be intrigued by the berries which is bad um there's even a record of a man getting atropine poisoning from eating a rabbit that had recently ingested a belladonna Mm. berry Um, so it's very potent but i will say belladonna has not always been considered deadly and as i kind of alluded to in the beginning the name belladonna was given to it because venetian women during the renaissance period would use distilled belladonna eye drops to dilate their pupils uh yeah it was like a cosmetic thing to make their eyes look more large and entrancing um but then overuse of the drops could result in anything from face swelling to hallucinations and delirium to complete blindness (laughs) just a few casual (laughs) side effects yeah i mean beauty is pain right (laughs) that's true well
0: that's i mean not to i don't want to shame venetian women because i (laughs) even still remember when they would like put up the when there was the commercials for whatever it was uh that you like made your eyelashes longer oh (laughs) latisse latisse and it would just be like could permanently damage the pigmentation of your eyes and i was like oh this is
1: worth it yeah i'm like i think i'll just put on falsies thank you so much
0: yeah so we 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 still do it
1: (laughs) yeah that's very true uh i always had that this is a little off kilter but here we go i I always had that with lip sense (laughs) oh yeah Mm -hmm. this doesn't seem like it should be this hard to get off of my face and i feel like years from now (laughs) we're gonna find out like that was not good for your body right uh but yeah people were sticking sticking poison right in their eyes uh and there was a recorded case in which belladonna drops caused a person to believe they were a tailor for a full day (laughs) incredibly specific and they just went about their day as a tailor mending clothes and tailoring garments until they slipped into a coma but were they good at it is my question did it transform them into a tailor that's what i wanted to know and there was no documentation i was like okay but did they like discover a secret talent it seems really (laughs) you guys are leaving out the important part to this story i almost hope it's the like other alternative though just somebody <laughs> right. like They're just like ripping holes destroying like, garments
0: i'm the best tailor
1: <laughs> so um yeah it, it can definitely cause hallucinations <laughs> uh also along with opium poppy and other plants Belladonna was believed to be one of the components that made up what was called witch's flying ointment. Um, If you've seen the love witch, there's a scene Mm. where she's like rubbing her, her flying ointment on her. And I actually, when I watched that film didn't have any concept for what was happening. Yeah. Um, But I guess that there was this idea that this ointment helped witches fly to their gatherings um, and get on their little broomsticks and go, we. But it's more likely that the combination of plants were causing halluc- hallucinations, <laughs> um and helping. That kind of helps to explain why people would use it in spells to like induce second sight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When uh, you, I, I was like, ah, yes, flying, flying, Wait wink, wink. You know, yeah, you
0: want your you want the sensation of flying
1: (laughs) right and i think it was often to kind of the um the idea of like astral projection you know Uh, yeah um and the the belladonna berry is heavily tied into the idea of like the bacchanalia festivals and things Mm. of people kind of altering their state to experience different levels of of humanity (laughs) um But of course, Belladonna also has had plenty of more sinister uses. It is, after all, a poison. Uh, Nightshade throughout the history has been a killer of kings, emperors, and warriors. The Roman military used a paste that they created from the plant uh, to make poison-tipped arrows for their archers and would use that to poison the enemy, but not without, it didn't instantly kill them it would make yeah. them hallucinate and you know all kinds of things we'll get into the the symptoms of poisoning here in a bit but um what a way to go <laughs> not yeah. only are you shot but you're having all kinds of crazy things going on but you're tripping balls but you're tripping balls at the same time uh the romans also used uh belladonna as a biological weapon to contaminate food reserves of their enemies which is so mean. Very mean. But don't worry, because then the wives of both Roman emperors, Augustus and Claudius, poisoned them <laughs> with nice. atropine. So uh, <laughs> they got they got what was coming after using it on the enemy. Uh, so what does Belladonna poisoning look like? Uh, the first signs don't appear for 10 to 20 minutes after Belladonna has entered Ooh. the body. So that's also kind of like smarmy because you don't even yeah know that's actually that's dangerous <laughs> right it's like your body's already fully taken it on before you even know what's happened uh depending on the dose received symptoms can be more or less pronounced obviously but uh, in a case of mild poisoning you're gonna get some agitation in the body in the nervous system and they can last for eight to ten hours mm-hmm. um which eventually leads to people just being exhausted and falling asleep um but severe poisoning with belladonna can manifest as complete vascular collapse respiratory failure 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 (laughs) failure (laughs) failure coma and death obviously um when you are experiencing the poisoning you might (laughs) i feel like a um like a medical commercial like yes side effects may include dry mouth dry eyes (laughs) coma or death Um, but yeah dry mouth and eyes blurred vision hoarseness of voice extreme thirst the feeling of being unable to swallow uh most specifically it is known for increasing heart rate and causing arrhythmia so it Mm. kind of explodes your vascular system uh In addition to all those physiological symptoms, it also has a lot of effect on your parasympathetic nervous system. So there's something called toxic psychosis where you might experience irritability, aggression, uh, lack of coordination, feeling disoriented, mania, delirium, and pretending you're a a tailor tailor. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) hallucinations. Um, so with all of that being said you might find yourself thinking well heck i'm gonna stay as far away from this plant as humanly possible that Uh, sounds like a fair assumption right but interestingly belladonna specifically the atropine compound uh, actually has a lot of medicinal uses what what um and the plant was so heavily associated for some much of history with just like death that it went completely unstudied. So once we got to a point with chemistry where we could isolate compounds within mm. a plant, they started realizing that it actually had quite a bit of usefulness to it. Mm. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So you'd started... be like,
0: I don't fuck with that. <laughs> and <laughs> now you're like, oh, wait. Right maybe we could a little bit
1: right and one it was like like i said every part of the plant the leaf the root the berry the flower like every part of it is poisonous um and has so many different every plant has so many different compounds in it that they were like well we don't know what's causing what and what we can Mm -hmm. so they're just like don't touch it (laughs) which just don't just fair um but Once they start isolating the compounds and studying them, Nightshade actually began being used as an early surgical anesthetic. Yeah. Um, And in 1803, a Scottish pharmacist named Andrew Duncan wrote about a lot of the positive uses of atropic plants, including treatment for a lot of nerve conditions, uh, including like epilepsy and palsy, uh, and even said it could be used to treat the plague. Sure, why not? (laughs) Why not? uh but he was on to something uh however (laughs) much like mummy powder and other things that are historically (laughs) bad for you before we learned more and figured out the actual uses of it in medicine belladonna had a brief stint as a common (laughs) cure-all and penny i'm gonna give you just one guess of what time period this was (laughs) Was it the crazy Victorians? It might have been. Oh my gosh! The Victorian area. Uh yep. It's back at it again. Those crazy Victorians. They just, they're
0: getting wild, man. They're like, what? What can we take? What can we do? What weird
1: shit can <laughs> what, we eat? What, what can we put on our bodies? And you know what? Since we're here, now seems like a great time to once again mention hey. that we have new merch available for what? Ghoul's Night Inn. We have a very cute new design for our those crazy Victorians uh thread that seems to weave its way through all of our historic episodes. Uh it really, really does. <laughs> it really does. Uh really cute design featuring lots of fun things that we've talked about through the victorian era like eggshells and hair art and arsenic green and you can find that at our website at middruncer.comslash shop we've got it on sweatshirts and t-shirts and stickers and a really cool tote bag so if you love those crazy victorians as much as we do go check that out (laughs) uh so what were the victorians doing here with with belladonna they were making plasters, which mm. were sort of like a old-timey icy hot patch. <laughs> uh, it was like a white cloth covered in a paste that you could stick on your body and use for general pain relief. Uh, so that's, they were mixing up Belladonna. From what I could see, they were technically like onto something. It wasn't great the way in which it was being used but they like i don't think anybody like hella died (laughs) (laughs) uh kind of like the the mummy powder the uh, oh my gosh what was that compound called yeah yeah but it was like the Burramine or something the oh yeah the resin compound um but that yeah it was kind of like that like nobody was actively dying but people weren't feeling great from it either (laughs) it it wasn't great (laughs) yeah uh then during World War II, atropine was actually found to be an antidote for poisoning, which is wild. How can, po- how can poison be an antidote for poison? No <laughs> <Udo> reverse. <laughs> Literally. Double it and give it to the next person. <laughs> so it's not technically an antidote, antidote. Like it doesn't stop it, but it does. <laughs> um, so basically, they found out that um like when nerve gas was being used as an attack Mm -hmm. um nerve gas works by breaking down the nervous system also but it slows the heart rate to the point of stopping so belladonna compounds were used to speed the heart rate back up to counteract the gases uh, so there were small devices called syrettes that were distributed to the troops. They were kind of like a syringe, but they had like a, kind of, I looked at pictures of them. They kind of reminded me of like what you give your dog, like flea and tick medicine out of oh, like yeah. the like, antics, <laughs> like a little, mm-hmm. little tube um, with a, a needle coming out of the end that the troops could like distribute to themselves that had atropine in it um, that they could use if they had been attacked. And this usage is actually still recognized today. Atropine is like listed as one of the like necessary medicines in like pharmacology books, yeah, right. um, and it is also able to be used as an antidote to opium and chloroform poisoning for the same reason, because uh, it'll counteract that slowing heart rate mm-hmm. effect. Uh, there are other various medicinal preparations of belladonna currently in use. Uh, Kind of funny, it came full circle. Ophthalmologists do use atropine. Yes, so again, people were kind of onto something, but also not. Um, And so when you get your eyes dilated at the ophthalmologist, or if you have an eye surgery, a particular preparation of atropine is what they are using on your eyes. Uh, And while the Victorians can at times be wild, again, they were onto something with the topical preparation of belladonna. We now have a safer version of plasters. Atropine is often found in certain lotions and salves to relieve pain from sciatica, gout, and cardiac palpitations. All right. Good Uh, for you, Belladonna. Good job, Belladonna. Uh, She can also be found in lots of over-the-counter cold medicines to help with cough suppression. And, uh, as, as we talked about earlier in this episode, people like me with IBS can also use <laughs> certain preparations of atropine, uh, that will help relax gut muscles and things to prevent symptoms of, uh, dietary disease. All right. So it has lots of, uh, fun things much, much like the two ladies who run this podcast. Belladonna is beautiful and deadly but can also be extremely helpful when yeah. handled properly. There you go. I was going to say <laughs> dangerous but surprisingly helpful. But surprisingly helpful. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so that is my little delve into this plant. I honestly didn't know hardly anything about it. Um I my I didn't well A, I didn't realize that deadly nightshade and belladonna were the same mm-hmm. plant. Um but I just i think i got the idea that i wanted to look into this after rewatching practical magic when she was talk when she says like the belladonna is in my bag i was like tell me more Ooh, um, see and when
0: when you were talking about it i was thinking um of sally with her deadly nightshade canister yeah and yes for christmas
1: exactly uh and <laughs> i also was laughing when i when it said that the lethal dose is 600 milligrams have you seen you've seen practical magic right yes the the amount of belladonna that they put in his his liquor is that has to be like five times the lethal amount and then then they're like oh my god he's dead i'm like yeah queen learn your herbology god damn (laughs) but anyway thank you all so much for listening uh if you use atropine, do it in a safe way that is uh, prescribed by a pharmacist. Yes. (laughs) And uh, if you've got belladonna growing wild, because it does grow wild in certain areas of the United States, uh, know how to identify it and be sure to keep your children away from the berries. I, I read one thing that said that uh, people used to tell children that if they ate the berries off of Belladonna, they would, quote, meet the devil face to face to keep them from eating it.
0: <laughs> See, I was going to say that's that would be intriguing to Yeah, I'd be like, like pop,
1: pop. <laughs> meet the devil face to face? Bring, what did we call him in the live, Lucifer Lumiere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> bring that noise over here. Yes, come on. <laughs> If you would like to see what Belladonna looks like so you can properly identify it in the wild, you should give us a follow over on Instagram at Pod. And if you are enjoying this podcast, you can leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. Uh, those really help us reach new audiences. And if your podcatcher of choice will not let you leave us a review there, you can go back to that Instagram and send us send us one in a direct message and i believe that penny has a dm submitted review to read for us today i certainly do um this review is from lemay macabre uh who
0: says ghoul's night in is an unending delight midge and penny humorously touch on all things macabre bizarre and eerily entertaining victorian practices they got them scary movies (laughs) check monster serial, you know it queer representation and horror absolutely they pull in personal experiences dutiful research and lighthearted banter that leaves this monster hankering for more every week if you need a halloween fix to make it to october and beyond this is the ultimate year-round podcast to help you get through 10 out of 10 hair wreaths <laughs>
1: amazing what a what a delightfully written review thank you (laughs) so
0: sweet thank you very much
1: well uh yes feel free to send us your reviews that way and we might just read them live right here on ghouls night in uh and if you are looking for me you can find me across the web at midge munster and if you are looking for me you can find me at penny snark and until next time
0: Good. Bye. Bye.